You want to book as much acting work as you can, as often as you can. We get that. The thing is, you don't book acting work by focusing on booking acting work. The industry is more dynamic than that. The art is more interesting than that. By taking you inside the craft, the casting room, and the business, and bringing other industry experts into the conversation, we dig in. We pull back the curtain of the industry and show you how much power you really have as an artist. Here's the truth. When you bring your humanity to the work and the industry, you become an artistic leader, the kind of actor who books work. Even after decades of working with actors all over the world, in our classes at the BGB studio, teaching, coaching, casting, directing, producing, acting, on set, on stage, behind the camera, and in front, nothing excites us more than seeing you express your unique artistic voice, humanize the business, and book work doing it. We're here on the podcast in our online classes at the BGB studio to give you all the tools you need to be a championship level working actor right now in an industry that desperately needs your voice and your leadership. Yeah, industry and artistry. This is the only place you're gonna hear this. I'm Risa. And I'm Steve. And this is the acting podcast from the BGB studio. Welcome, everybody, to Season 2 of The Acting Podcast. This episode was recorded earlier in the year, pre-COVID, and we're excited to finally share it with you. We find the conversation in this episode to be relevant, vital, and inspiring, now, in fact, more than ever. Keep listening and enjoy. Hey, everybody. Today, we are talking to one of the biggest casting directors in the world, Sarah Finn. I've known Sarah for decades. I knew her as an actor, which some of you may not know that she was an actor, collaborating with her in the theater. And then she started working in my office as a casting assistant, growing her career over time to the iconic place of stature that it is today. So Steve and I are really thrilled to talk to Sarah and bring you all into the conversation with someone who at the end of the day is an artist and a lover of actors and storytelling. So here's just a taste of Sarah's biography. Sarah Finn is an award-winning casting director who has cast over 100 feature films, known for casting the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe, just a few of those films including Captain America, The Guardians of the Galaxy, Ant-Man, Doctor Strange, Spider-Man, Homecoming, and Captain Marvel. She has also earned recognition for the groundbreaking cultural sensations and multiple Oscar winners, Black Panther, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, and 2006's Best Picture, Crash. Those three films also won the SAG Award for Outstanding Performance by a Cast in a Motion Picture and earned her the Casting Society of America America's highest honor, the Ardios Award for Outstanding Achievement in Casting. To date, and this is pretty cool, 43 of her films have opened at number one in the domestic box office. And in 2019 alone, Sarah cast four out of the five top-grossing films in the world, Avengers Endgame, The Lion King, Spider-Man, Far From Home, and Captain Marvel. So that's pretty impressive. For Disney+, Plus, she cast the breakout Star Wars hit series, The Mandalorian, and is currently in charge of casting Marvel's entire new slate of streaming projects. A graduate of Yale University and member of AMPAS, Executive Committee Casting Branch, Sarah has served on the executive board of Women in Film and is also a founding participant in the Time's Up movement. Hi, Sarah. Hello. So we're here very excited to welcome Sarah Finn to our podcast. And um, 
I, I just want to jump back to the beginning of when we met and how this started for you and what that was like, if you'll just go down yeah. memory lane a tad. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, what, what what's your version of that? What's your memory <laughs> Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, I was so lucky to meet you through Ensemble Studio Theater, yeah. and we were collaborating there and doing plays, and I got to assistant direct you on a play, and we were working on the one acts and different things. Wasn't it Ed's play? I think it was. With with Jay, <gasps> with Thomas and, and Brittany, Brittany, they're yep, both Brittany dead. Brittany Murphy. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, and Pruitt Taylor Vins. And Pruitt, yeah. Uh, and Pruitt, and, yeah. Go ahead, Ed who? Ed Baker. Right. Yeah. Yep. I just want to be clear yep. on that because yeah. some folks yes. may not know. Oh, yeah. Edward L. Baker, who's a longtime right. collaborator. And Amy Peets. Right. Uh -huh. And Amy Peets, yeah. So, yeah, we were assistant directing that play, which was so fun and so exciting. Uh, and I was always running off to do a temp job, uh, secretarial work, anything I could do to pay the bills. And let's say, you, uh, be clear, you were an actor. An actor. I was an actor. Yeah. 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 A good one. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. And I, yeah, I was doing this to learn. And so one day I came back and I think you, my recollection is you said to me, why are you doing all these crazy jobs? Why don't you just come cast this movie with me? Right. And I thought, okay, sure. <laughs> I'll try this. I'll yeah. learn more. Yeah. And, and this will be a great experience. And so even though I had been an actor and I had an idea of what casting was, I had no idea what it really looked like and felt like. And my recollection is we started casting and kind of three years went by and I never looked up. Oh, wow. And I just remember, be, I still loved acting, and I remember saying to you, but I'm not going to stop acting, yeah. because that's what I love doing. And you were the only but, reader, and you were the, the best reader. I, <laughs> <laughs> so, so I kept saying to you, but you're acting as the reader, right? Yeah. And I feel like the turning point was... A couple years into it, a director actually said to me, hey, you know, you're, you're pretty good. Why don't you do this part? And my first thought was, but I know 10 people that could play this part and oh, would yeah. be so good. Okay. And at that moment, I realized that my lifelong dream, you know, to be in a movie, to, to be an actress, had shifted. Mm -hmm. That this experience had been so dynamic, so challenging, so, um, so uh, inspiring to me, and I had learned so much and sort of taken to it like a duck to water that I kind of forgot. I forgot that, that I had even wanted to do that. I forgot that that had been my goal. So I think that for me, the transition happened so naturally. If mm -hmm. I had had to make a choice, if you had said to me, you can't cast unless you're willing to give up acting, I never would have even tried it. But I think because you are so brilliant and nurturing as a director, mm -hmm. I was able to learn so much from you as a, as a director and as a casting director okay. while bringing my acting knowledge to the job. And because we had also been producing theater, the One Act Play Festivals, the Aspen Comedy Arts Festival, I had also learned a lot from you about producing. And for me, casting was all those three things rolled into one every day, every minute. You're having to look at the schedule, your timeline. How am I possibly going to find these people in the six weeks that I have or the 12 weeks I have? What's my budget? What's my availability? What are my other department heads doing? So really that kind of interaction, which is very producerial. And I also think that as a casting director, you were producerial. I think there's, that's why you were getting associate producer credits on Oliver Stone's films right. and things like that, because you also were making sure things got done uh, that probably went beyond 
the lines. Well, I was interested in that, but I do think that I think actors, you guys out there, don't understand as much that casting is a very producerial job. It's yeah. about organization and schedules and budgets and timelines and much more so and negotiating and po politics often, which is a whole other part of your brain than the creative side. Yeah, yeah. And and if I can share a really funny Risa story, too. Uh -oh. that it was, I mean, <laughs> I, I, when you hear about this, I think, like, who wouldn't want this job? So Risa's, you know, negotiating contracts, doing all these things, seeing actors, talking to agents, and then we have to go back into session, and we're doing a part where... <laughs> Uh, um, everyone was trapped and you had to plug an air vent. You rip off your shirt. You're in your bra plugging up an air vent in the scene because you're improvising with an actor and um. we didn't have sides. Because <laughs> it was speed two and we had no script. Yeah, we yeah. had no script. Yeah. So, so we everything was an improv and you yeah. were making it up. And and if um, the actors were shy at all or nervous at all, they could have no inhibitions left and they would just <laughs> completely go for it and we had the most fun casting sessions but that was so no, crazy it was fun. i remember Sarah that was Silverman so crazy was in there for like she did the craziest improv and then jan debon who was the director said asked her to stay for the rest of the day and so she and i were improvising it and then he was writing it all down because oh, this is great let's put this in the script it was it made that was that was kooky though that was kooky yeah that was there was like no was script a, and there was no script when they shot it either so and that's pretty evident if you watch the film yeah <laughs> but you had to fit you created it and so that's why I think having that theater background and coming from that perspective that we can make magic happen. We can make something happen. We can give the actors something to play here by creating circumstances, by using our imagination, by giving them the environment where they feel free to play. Anyway, so do it was you, a great Do it, you still do that? Entree. Do you still feel like you can work in that way? This many years later with more pressure, and we'll get to all of that, but do you yeah. feel like you can still... Often we do. Often we do. I mean, nobody rips clothes off anymore, but um, <laughs> we... Darn. darn. But um, especially with children and newer actors, uh, when we don't want to get too hung up in the lines, when we're really trying to get at the essence of somebody's... Um, uh, uh, their take on a character, we'll throw the script out. We'll improvise. Wow. Um, Often, again, this job is so hard to describe, as you know, because it's everything from doing a worldwide search and casting, you know, a franchise lead who might go on to be in 10 more movies to doing non-speaking featured extra parts. Yeah. And, and that's important to me so that if the director wants to cut to somebody, they're going to get emotion. They're going to get a reaction. So we will often do improvs with people because they will not have lines. Mm. And we'll say to them, you know, you're afraid, you're hiding, you see some a sound and we'll make a sound and look over there and try to actually choreograph for them what might be happening so that they can live it. Right. So that they can just be in the moment and live it. And we've seen it happen over and over again that those actors who are willing to come in and play for a non-speaking role end up getting lines, getting apart, working for weeks instead of one day, mm. because then the directors get inspired and the other actors get inspired mm. by what they're bringing to the set. And it makes sense, particularly in the Marvel movies where you have these amazing superheroes, this action, you have to cut to some sort of human experience, uh, and that would be one of those silent folks in the crowd who's looking up and having an emotional experience based on what they're seeing. Absolutely, and we learned that early on. After we did the first Iron Man movie with Downey, we realized that he is likely to turn to anyone at any time and mm -hmm. say something funny. 
<laughs> and we learned that because in the original film he was surrounded by extras. And so we changed that up. Wow. Anyone that's around him in a film that we're working on wow. is an actor. And so is there an expectation he, that, that, that that actor respond? Yeah. Yeah. Just so that if it's something that the director wants to end yep. up using, if he ad libs and makes something up, if he throws you a ball, you better catch it for a back. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So let's take it back here. I don't want to get out of ourselves because this is really important. So I want to ask you, Risa, because you know you said, "Oh, Risa just asked me, why don't you just stay?" And I know that that's there's more to it than that because Risa doesn't say that to just anyone. What did you see in Sarah in that moment, an aspiring actor who was doing temp jobs that made you go? Uh, wait a minute, this is more than just an aspiring actor doing temp jobs. I want her on the team. Well, I found you to be super smart. When we were working on Ed's play, you always had smart things to say. You were uh, intelligent about it. You were creative about it. You were a partner to all of us. And I thought, well, that's somebody who should be doing more than a temp job somewhere else. And this was an opportunity to at least do a temp job all the time, you know, make it a... And I didn't know where it would lead at all, but mm. you just, you seemed serious about it, you seemed smart about it, and you seemed really committed and creative, and so it felt like, why not try this on, yeah. you know? I mean, I know initially it was a lot of office stuff, it always is, and that's another thing. I think people don't realize how much right. time you're at your, you know, your right. screen. Yeah. Yeah, but that's, that's that, you know, and, and, and you've turned that into, we were just talking about it, we have 13 people working for you now, yeah. and this huge Marvel franchise, and it's, it's... Yeah. So what's that moment for you when, because in the beginning, I mean, I think you said as much that it's it's a job, right? So I don't have to do the temp stuff. I'm still pursuing acting, but right. I can do this. It's right. a job. When does it turn from a job to something else, uh, either a career or a passion or whatever it is for you? I think that... Reese is right. In the beginning, as a casting assistant, it's a lot of scheduling, a lot of appointments, a lot of phone work. And if you're not interested, it's probably the most torturous, tedious job in the world. Yeah. For me, um, I, I just, again, because I liked acting, I was interested in directing, I was interested in their perspective. I would sit and stare at people's resumes. Oh, they did that checkoff play. Or, oh, yeah. they worked at that <laughs> summer theater. And, and, oh, how interesting. I wouldn't have thought that they would have played that part. Everything that I was doing, even if it was staring at a resume, yeah. kind of was alive to me. If I had to edit tapes, why, why did Risa pick take two and not pick take four? What did mm. she see in that take? Mm. So again, if you're not interested in this, do not go into casting yeah. because it will be terribly boring. But for me, everything about it was a puzzle. Um, and so I think that as we went on, Risa gave me more and more responsibility and ultimately put me in charge of a kid search. And as an actor, I had loved to do theater games with the kids at school, and I did Sound of Music in high school, and I worked off a young kid, so I love working with kids. And so doing the kid search for Polly mm. was, I think, where it really changed over for me because I got to go out on my own a little bit. Uh, Risa sent me to New York. Um, we ended up finding Hallie Kate Eisenberg at four years old, Jesse's, who Jesse brought her to the audition. Uh, but going into schools and having that experience of working on my own with kids in that way uh, was so fulfilling. It was so rewarding and challenging. Uh, I think I started realizing how much I really, really love doing this. Do you remember the first time you were in a room by yourself, you were leading with actors? It was probably with kids. I just remember having lots of toys and lots of pillows <laughs> and yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> chasing them around. Because we needed the star of, the, of Polly. 
Yeah. The kid was the center of the show. Yeah. I remember when you came back from New York with Hallie, it was like, oh my God. And those were the days before we had stuff online. So we were like carrying big VH, you know, oh, yeah. VCRs and VHSs and, and doing all of this in very uh, clunky and, you know, really yeah. basic ways. Yeah. 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 And so from that place, then when does it turn into, oh, this is what I'm going to be doing for my life? Is there a moment or or a period of time or a project when you go, either I'm in too deep here, or <laughs> or this is what I this is how I want this to go. Mm. It's funny, you know. I don't know if I ever. You talk about you know, head down three years. Yeah, ago. yeah. Then, well, when Risa went to direct Two Hundred Cigarettes, right, uh, and wasn't going to be casting, I got offered a job at Paramount. And that, that probably was the biggest change because I had enjoyed doing it, but we were still doing theater. We were casting, and at that time we were still doing theater, we were still doing different things. I still had to pay my bills. Yeah. And then when I got offered that job, that was a real job. I remember pulling into the lot and I could see <laughs> the um, pavement through the hole in the bottom of my car. <laughs> and I was like, wow, I'm gonna have a real paycheck. This is gonna be a real job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think even at that time, I was still learning. I was still learning a lot. I was, um, I got a real education. I sort of look at that as if, if you can get a master's degree in casting because I learned so much about the studio perspective what filmmaking looks like as a studio because we were independents yeah. we Risa had such close relationships with the directors and producers that you were working with at the yeah. time that it always felt like a collaboration it didn't feel like a business and so so going to a studio really was the next layer um of learning for me but then when I left it was yeah it was what I wanted to do I kind of hung up a shingle and yeah. um I think I had a blueberry I was able to buy a Blueberry computer, and I put it in my garage. That was my first office, and uh, big time just started. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So, what's that difference for you between uh, <laughs> the independent situation and now I have to navigate the business and and the uh, the executives and and uh, studios? How is the work different for you in that moment? as you drive up with your the, the hole in your car? Yes. Uh, well, I was working under Deborah Quilla, so she mm -hmm. was running the department, so that was lucky for me because I didn't have to be on the front line. Yeah. Um, this is in the strangest twist of faith. One of the first movies we were casting was 200 yeah, Cigarettes, cigarettes right. yeah. uh, and Varsity Blues. Yeah, and I want to say something about that because if you hadn't been over there, I wouldn't have asked them to do that because they wanted to know who I wanted to have cast the movie ah. and I thought and I asked a couple people who basically said no and I thought why wouldn't you would you say no to me but they did and then it was it became a budgetary thing because we were at Paramount so I thought oh we're not gonna have to pay for a casting director which ultimately we did have to pay down the line but then I thought well if Sarah's there then it just will feel like old times yeah and I could trust that yeah. which was a good thing which we were able to do so yeah 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 so then it was great because then we could be creative. Mm -hmm. And I was worried it was going to be more of a desk job and we would just be making lists all day, which would have been really, I mean, it's okay, but it's not. Coming from theater, the whole point is, is working together, collaborating, working with actors, creating stuff in the room. So that was really fun and really challenging. And of course, I really wanted to, you know, do the best possible job that we could do. And we had some challenges yeah. on that. Yeah. We had a lot of oversight shall we say, from yeah. producers about who we could and couldn't cast. Well, there were a lot of cooks. Yeah. There was Paramount, there was MTV, there was Tom Rosenberg, who we talked about earlier. 
at, at coffee <laughs> and how aggressive he was and controlling. So there were a lot of people to answer to. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we were used to this kind of freewheeling process, yeah. but then all of a sudden we had all these layers right. to kind of cut through, which was Which you have now more and more, <clears throat> don't you think? I think I'm really lucky. I don't have that that much. Okay. I don't. I mean, now I'm working in, in different arenas and in television and animation, but because I've had such a long, close collaboration with Marvel, it's going on 13 years now. Wow. 14, I started in 2006, 14 wow, years. Oh, that's yeah. a long time. With, with Iron yeah. Man. With Iron Man. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and you've grown with them. I've grown well, with them. Yeah. We have, I, I, um, I have, I guess, a long leash. I have a lot of trust. So I'm able to work very kind of directorially and work with actors and, and get, make tapes. Uh, I could talk a lot about this and I'm maybe jumping all over the place, but okay. yeah, I don't great. have directors with me as much as I used to when I was starting out as casting director. <clears throat> starting out, we would do weeks and weeks and weeks in a room with the director, doing sessions, talking, uh, getting feedback, making adjustments, calling actors back and back, but we would find it together, and now the process is often more like, I'll do the preliminary work and then bring it to the director. And then there's a callback period. But the whole thing is really truncated. It's not like you have six or eight weeks. The directors don't have that luxury, I feel like, to but have also, six or eight weeks spending yeah. every day in casting But sessions. also they don't, because it's not the way it's done anymore, because you can put people on tape, I find that they also have now relied on casting people to do it for them and don't carve out the time that they used to. Maybe. They used to spend hours and hours in the room, and now they don't have to, so they'll just watch tapes. Yeah. So that's what you do now. You'll, you'll tape people, and you'll send your most ex- your your best ideas or you'll send reels of of people who won't read yeah often especially early on i like to sit and watch with the director so we can talk about it okay you know here's yeah. here's this actor let me tell you about them let's see what they did let's get your take on it let's talk about how they approached it what choices they make do you want to see something different you know so we'll really talk it out okay. um is that because it because it whittled down sort of the, the focus in terms of oh this is what this project is looking for, or is it that you want to advocate for certain actors, or what is that process for you, do you think? I think it's giving context. And sometimes we don't have that luxury again. Sometimes the directors are in different locations, and we can't sit in a room together. Yeah. But if we if we can and get together, it's also to describe the process. Here's who I'm showing you today, and here's why. Yeah. You know, here's what we've come to. and And yet to advocate for actors, especially if there's somebody that might not have been an obvious choice for the part, but I think there's really something there and I don't wanna make sure they're not dismissed. And I can talk about why that could work for the character. Maybe you didn't think about it this way, but let's look at it. But to me, that speaks to your creative investment in all this, like that that you wanna have that moment of being heard and not explaining, but but working through your choices, which I think is really interesting. Do you feel you have, even now, as it becomes casting ink more and more than anything else, even with technology, do you feel like you have that creative say uh, as much as you did um, in the early days when you were independent and you know freewheeling? Yeah, I think yeah. so. I think so. I mean, look, if it's if it's down to day players and we're working with regional casting and things are moving fast and they're already shooting and choices yeah. have to get made, no, it just goes fast. You know, we'll look and say, yeah, we're good with all these three people. Send them on. Right. You know, that's a different process. But I think that. With the lead roles on everything, yeah, we're still involved. We have to be. And, and are those people, if you're sitting with a director and going through 
uh, people are those actors who are fairly well known? Are there is it a, is is it a combination of that and newer people? I mean, in terms of the high, the level of actor, not so much their talent, but their experience and the, and their visibility. It's usually a range. Yeah. Okay. And again, every single director is different. Every project is different. So every process is different. Yeah. 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 But I think that. Right. To be creative in our approach to anything, whether it's a streaming or whether, you know, whatever it is, you're going to, and I probably, you know, learned this from you, you cast the widest possible net first, yeah. right? And then you keep zeroing in on what, what the director wants. So if it's a well-known actor, it's going to be, um, and we do this usually ourselves, we'll cut together a tape of their work, showing them in a certain light. Right. So, you can you know, so if it's more comedic, yeah, we're yeah. going to pull out all the comedic stuff. If they know them as a comedian, but not as a serious actor, you know, again, sure. this is uh, the story of Chris Pratt for Guardians became kind of a, um, a famous story because he didn't want to audition and then James Gunn didn't want to see him. And it was really a challenge. And I kept hearing him in my voice for the character. So we were going through this long process and we weren't finding it and weren't finding it. And um, I knew he could do it. Uh, but part of that was having seen him in Moneyball, having seen him in Zero Dark Thirty. And for better or for worse, I didn't watch a lot of Parks and Rec. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. my kids watched it. I saw it a little bit, but I wasn't, I really wasn't referencing that yeah. in my imagination. You know what's interesting, and this hits me, is that you talk about all the different directors. But you're a through line, and and to a certain extent, I wonder if they're guests in your house, in as much as you may represent um, Marvel now. And so, what is that like for you? On the one hand, mm. um, being the casting voice of the Marvel universe, which is fun to say, um, <laughs> and, while at the same time uh, entertaining these individual directors with their individual creative ideas. Well, who do you answer to? <laughs> I, I I I answer to their vision. I really do. And um, I don't ever really think about that differently. I kind of approach each job like sort of like 200 cigarettes. Like, God, I hope I get it right. Mm. I hope mm. I make this person proud. I hope I hope I help to fulfill their vision for this. And as much as maybe there is a through line, and and I guess if there's connective tissue, I hope it's talent. <laughs> yep. You know, I sure. hope that the, the connective tissue between the actors is is talent, maybe an openness, an ability to play. We sort of talk about a wink in the eye, but beyond that, uh, if it's Ryan Coogler, like I'm just gonna kill myself to make sure we have every tribe represented the way he wants it, and every actor, you know, the best they can possibly be. Why? And Where does that come from? You think? Is that something that you always had as a kid? Like being an actor, but also doing the temp jobs and also doing a bunch of things. You moved to casting, still busy, still you know excited, working it through. I, I, I think it's probably because I love movies. Yeah. And I love storytelling. And let's not do it unless we can do it in the best possible way. You always had that? I guess so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you have. I think, for, for, I mean, knowing you for... A long time. I think. I think that's part of it. Is a certain excitement about integrity. You know, wanting to not get it right, but but do it really well. And to push me, that's the why envelope. she asks you in the first place. Yeah, I, I don't. I yeah. don't think if you don't have that, I don't think Risa says, "Hey, do you want to?" I know you're acting, but do yeah. you want to do this with me? Yeah. Yeah. But it. But it's something that you've. That that's the well you've gone to, and I think it also comes from being in initially in a collaborative environment. Yeah. You know, where yeah. where you make things from scratch and you and you elevate the work and all that. Yeah. 
That's what it feels like anyway. And you've said that, that collaboration being important to you like a lot throughout this. But I love that you are approaching it in a collaborative way. And, and, and that's something that I sometimes give up. And maybe because I'm working in, in the casting arena more in television, I mean, collaboration for me is everything in class and as a director and with actors and writers. It's like the, the, the heart and soul of the work. But I find that sometimes it's hard to have a voice in television. Yeah. And it's hard where there's so many people. And, and I don't sometimes value that offering and that sense of collaboration in the work. I, I, I understand what you're saying because I think in television sometimes there are so many people involved yeah. that you don't have the opportunity to have the conversations. The, ta the tapes get shipped off and then you get a decision back. And, or they're all and, arguing among them, amongst themselves and then ultimately trying to just agree on somebody in 24 hours. Yeah. 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 Now in streaming, the projects that I'm doing are much more cinematic. So we're kind of approaching it like a movie, like yeah. a long movie. Yeah. But the times that I've worked in network television, it's moving so quickly. And I, I know what you mean. Sometimes the decisions are getting made. You'll talk initially yeah. about what we're going for, what we're looking for, but you're not in the writer's room. You're not in with the producers. It's often more separate. Interesting. Yeah. 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 So just in terms of the time, amount of time that you have for the television that you do, you have a longer period of time with it, so you can take your time to deal with actors and to, to process some things because for, it's cinematic. You oh, know, oh yeah, with with yeah with streaming, it's different. Right, mm -hmm. and you're talking about streaming in the still in the Marvel world of, of yeah. and how they've expanded into that. So you're doing films and t streaming television. What is that? Yeah. What does that look like? Well. Um, and I worked on The Mandalorian, too, which uh -huh. is very, very cinematic. And it's right. also with John Favreau, who I've worked on the feature space with and animated. So um, the new streaming shows, I think, are wildly ambitious. And, oh, uh, yeah. and, and we've, like I said, kind of approached them like the films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So at this stage, and I know, I know that it's an interesting thing, people... Do you feel like you're typed at all as the Marvel, the Queen of Marvel? Well, it's possible. <laughs> it's possible, but I also um, have kind of an incredibly fortunate situation where I'm not exclusive. They understand that I want to do other projects. And frankly, that in doing independence and other things, it kind of broadens my horizons. It, it makes it all better. So just in the last year, I've done a film that's um, an independent film that the Russos produced that's uh, shot uh, entirely in Arabic with a largely Iraqi cast. And uh, that's a very powerful film. I had never cast a film in another language. Um, and that was a really interesting process for me. I just finished uh, sh uh, casting a film that's shooting now uh, with the Daniels, who did a very quirky independent from Sundance called Swiss Army Man. With uh, you might know this film with Paul Dano and Daniel Radcliffe p played a corpse. It was the two of them, and this is their next film, which is wild and wonderful. And, and what's uh, the budget of a film like that? Mm, under ten. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I could be wrong, yeah. but yeah. yeah, I'm guessing. And uh, so I'm always looking to do very different kinds of projects, uh, as much as time allows. Right now, it's like maybe one a year because we're, we've ramped up so much and we're really busy. And how does your process differ in that as opposed to a Marvel movie? It's still looking for the best actor for the part. Yeah. It's funny. It's exactly the same thing. The only difference is when it's a, a lower budget, you probably have to hire locally, and you don't have the resources to look as widely. Like on a big budget movie now, 
we're incredibly lucky to get to collaborate with a casting director who's in London, maybe someone in New York, maybe someone in another country to help put actors on tape. Actors can self-tape and we do that route a lot. But I think, again, going back to the collaborative nature, I always feel like it's better for an actor to come into the room, have someone to work with, have a good reader to read with, be able to take notes, change it up, do it three different ways. So whenever we have the resources to hire a regional casting director to help actors, we'll do that. Yeah. When you say, when, so when you say you'd rather have them in the room, um, what? so what's the process of... If you're casting a wide net, or even if you're doing a, a smaller independent, how do, how do actors? How, how do you look for actors? I know this is just a basic question, but how do you find actors? Except for the normal, obviously the normal ways, agencies will submit, and you'll see some new people, and you'll see people you know and love, and people who are you know fancy also who can do it. But um, how do you how do you find new actors, and how yeah. do you how do actors get in the room, and and how does that process work? That's a great for question. For you and others, I'm yeah. asking again for people listening because we've, we've talked to a couple of other fairly large casting directors like yourself, and I, I know the question is like, how do I have access right. to to this process? It feels right. so, you know, huge and maybe inaccessible. And I know that you are not inaccessible, but right. what is that for actors? Right, right. That's a great question. Well, <clears throat> one of the things that's really exciting about casting right now is. Uh, the openness to diversity. I think casting directors for a long time were sort of leading the charge. Gee, there's eight roles for men and one for women. Can we change that up? You know, that used to be the conversation. Now, um, and then colorblind casting was a term. It's all colorblind now. It's all completely changed, open. The wind is at our back. So we are really able to um, look very widely and 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 with a really open mind in terms of how we approach casting and that has to do with actors who are differently abled and LGBTQ and um, actors who have been traditionally underrepresented by agencies which is a whole other category we could go into but I will say that I understand some of the frustration because due to the confidential nature of some of the projects that we've been casting we don't always we're not always able to release breakdowns it doesn't always go out widely but I think that we are very forward um, we're very proactive my team is and so we're looking always I would say that and I have three kids I work really hard I work as hard as I can work but I don't go out a lot at night Mm because I need to be home you know, with my family at uh, night. P.S. Two of your kids are in college, so yes. that's not really true anymore. But just say. <laughs> but my my other one still wants me to be home yeah, yeah, for yeah, now, yeah, yeah, yeah. for a few more minutes. Yeah. And it's been um, that way for a while because you've raised three a, boys. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's been that way for decades. So, yeah. well, you can watch a lot of stuff from home, and we also have a really thorough policy at the office of covering theater. Oh, and good. We cover. We get American Theater Magazine. We cover film festivals, independents. We cover theater festivals, Actors Theater Louisville, Williamstown. You mentioned uh, the summer festivals, Asheville. We we read reviews. I bring in my LA Times with names circled all the time. I read reviews on Variety. We cover you know all the independent films coming out, and so if I think a great way for actors to be seen is just to keep working. Because if you're in a play and you get a good review, you're a thousand times more likely to be noticed, I think, by the casting community than if you're not in a play and not doing that kind of stuff. Um, YouTube. People are, we cast an actress in Black Panther who put a beautiful and powerful monologue that she taped at a kitchen table on YouTube. 
See, people, are you listening to that? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 And, and, and I actually, I give like, Ryan Coogler credit because yeah. he saw it. Wow. Yep. Yeah. And He's that's the thing also for people to know is that directors who spend a lot of time online and a lot of time obsessing about their stuff and time in between movies will be scouring the internet for talent. Yep. Yeah. Actors access. Everybody should be on Actors Access. If we're having trouble finding something or we need an actor who is willing to do a co-star part or, you know... Or one of those featured extras. Or to, one of the, the featured extras, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh... We'll look on Actors Access. Yeah. And we'll do searches. So are you doing that that wide level of coverage? Because uh, it's super fun to find that next actor that no one knew or thought of? Or is it just the practical stuff of we just need to keep generating new talent? Both. Yeah. Yeah. Both. And I think it's our job to, right? right. It's our job to find good actors. It's right. our job to know who's, who's out there and who's breaking off Broadway in New York and who's breaking on the West End in London and that's our job but that's how Tom Hiddleston got cast mm. as Loki he was on the West End in London when we first saw him so this pushes back against these notions that like casting directors are on the other side and like antithetical to actors and like you want to find great actors like that's your job right like that's yes your, we get your, your, so your... excited we have brainstorming sessions at the office who do you like what shows are you watching who's popping for you know who are you excited about we put pictures on the wall. Oh my God, I'm so excited. This actor's amazing. We have to find something for them. Um, That's you, really cool. And can you yeah. drop a name about a particular actor that was like, just blew your mind. Nobody knew about it. Somebody found it in the office. Not that's fine. No, I mean, yeah. I mean, there's so many, yeah, there's right. so many, uh, but I was excited to see Anthony Ramos at the Oscars making that announcement because I saw him as Lin-Manuel's son in Hamilton in the original Broadway production. We put him in a tiny little part in Godzilla and he's, you know, he's exploding. Gonna, he's yeah. exploding. He's yeah. a huge star. And I think even people are thinking, well, but he was in Hamilton, so of course, but he was kicking around New York, doing theater everywhere. You know, he didn't, he didn't get born on that show, yeah. you know, it, but the constant attention to being in the work wherever and however you can. Yeah. And, and the thing that I see often, and it sounds like a cliche, but it's not, is it really can change overnight. And that's where that ethic and that discipline of staying in it, staying with the work, keeping at it, because those muscles that you build creatively and emotionally and, and physically um, they're going to kick into gear when you need them because if you're uh, someone else I know just was in New York on stage and has gotten a huge opportunity and everything's going to change. But I think having that training is so important and valuable. Yeah. Because yeah, it's no. a heady, it's a heady time when yeah. all of it happens with social media now and, and the way you get thrust into the spotlight so quickly. If you know who you are, as an actor, if you know your craft, I think you're grounded mm. in the face of all that. Did you go through some of that when Iron Man came out and all of a sudden... No. Because, <laughs> no. I mean... <laughs> I don't think so. There, there was a change, I suspect, right? You know what? There was a change. And actually, for me, it started in 2006, Crash won the Oscar. Sure. And that was a film that I spent two years helping to cast yeah. and put together. We had no idea it was going to connect with audiences the way it did. And so I think as a kind of, you know, struggling casting director, right? Like we're auditioning for jobs the way actors are auditioning for jobs. We have to, we're freelancers often moving office to office and 
same thing. Gee, I wonder when I'm going to get the next job. Mm. Once, once Crash came out, that made it easier for me. And then I had the, the basically meeting to, to do the first Ironman um, after that. But it's funny, it's never, it's never really dialed in, I think, you know, and mm. that's where you go back to the work. Am, right. am I enjoying the journey? And do I like the work that I'm doing right now? Sure. Yeah, that makes yeah. I mean, you have to because yeah. it's it's a it it. We were talking about that earlier. It it can be a real grind. Yeah, you know, and and so what does a day look like? Like a a, bu- a busy, intense day for you when you're not here doing the podcast at the BGB <laughs> studio, which is awesome, <laughs> hiding from your world. We're, we've kidnapped you. But but what is it? What is a what is a long, intense, challenging day look like for you? Um, it's. It's funny because when you say that, I think it's still fun, right? It's still fun. Um, But a a challenging day is when, well, it's always more challenging and a little more stressful when you're up against any kind of deadline, right? So if you have something that's about to shoot, if you're really in a stuck place and you can't quite figure something out or you have a big meeting coming up, right? That's a little more, that's that's a little more, you feel that adrenaline. Um, But we'll be reading actors, I'll be reading actors. The rest of this day, I'll go back. I'll, I'll be in a meeting. I'll be looking at tapes, talking with my staff, reading actors on the phone because another big part of it is we spend a lot of time on the phone with agents and managers hearing about who they're passionate about, who they want to suggest for parts. And I feel like they're a part of this process. I try to return every phone call. You, you do? Know? Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. So, and emails, which is hard. Would you like to the 27 messages I have today? <laughs> um, so, because, and we'll, we'll yeah. find out about people. Yeah. You know, that's yeah, another yeah, yeah. part. So doing that and then talking with my creative teams, whatever's going on that I need to check in with my producers about, all of those things. Um, but a lot of time is spent every day either working with actors or watching tapes. Mm. Is that the happy place of all this for you? That's what's fun, yeah. 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 What's the challenge of this for you? What's the most challenging part of it? Sometimes there'll be a challenge, uh, a a kind of nuanced part of casting is diplomacy, (laughs) is when maybe uh, there's visions that aren't aligned and you're trying to find that perfect person who combines what everyone wants. That uh, that's a a unique situation. But I think for me, um, a challenge is probably the expectations I put on myself and just always wanting to do the best in the time you have, right? Someone has asked me, how long does it take to cast a project? And my answer is always, however much time you have. Yeah, I've had a year to work on something and I've had a much shorter period of time. Or sometimes something comes up and you have to replace somebody due to a schedule change or something like that. So we've had, we've had some of those situations come up where right. things have changed and you've got to Instead of having a year, you've got a day. <laughs> and, and you get gonna, it done. And you, you just get have it done. to. It's sometimes it it's done. good to have a, a ticking clock. But you said yeah. something interesting about the pressure you put on yourself. Yeah. So what is that for you? What is that thing that you wake up in the morning with that you, big sigh, I just saw that. <laughs> <laughs> what what yeah. is that for you where you go, oh, I have to get this right or I got to do this well or I've got to keep you know, right, raising the bar? I mean, that's a lot of. Yeah. In yeah. a process that's wildly imperfect and yeah. exactly. very a subjective. Lot of dissatisfaction yeah. Very and- subjective, very imperfect, very, you know, sometimes very um, messy. And I mean, because we're humans. I, I think back to when I found out we were doing another Spider Man movie and we had to find a new Spider Man. And it was very close on the heels of the other movies. I, we all thought he should be very young. And so part of those expectations were I knew that 
if we were going to tell the story again, we better have the perfect Peter Parker to tell it with, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. And so a, a search like that, we saw over 2,000 kids. I think Tom Holland, who ultimately got the part and was amazing, probably read seven or eight times. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. It was a long process. How long did, did that take you to see 2,000 people? A year. In- a year. Yeah. But you they gave you a year. Yeah, we had a long it. time. Yeah. yeah. And what yeah. is it about the sixth reading where people go, I'm just not sure? <laughs> well, after after a number of readings, and he had gone on tape and gotten notes and, and gotten adjustments uh, and done different things, then then it's tests with, right. okay. you know, Downey and sure, tests sure, with sure. other people. Yeah. 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 But yeah. that seems crazy to me, though, seven times. Like, really? Well, the first one would, you know, if you break it down, like the first one might have been one scene that we gave out widely, right? I think we were using a scene from like weird science in the beginning because... Just to see who people were. Exactly. Who's the right age? Who's got the right sense of humor? Who's in the wheelhouse, right? So that went out to, you know, and then the next phase, maybe we have a comedic scene that's closer to what you're using and then maybe it gets more challenging and then I got the opportunity to work with Tom in the room, where we could really start to get into the qualities that. And that so, what was it about him? Because I have a reason I'm asking this. Okay. What, what was it about him that you kept coming back to? Like, what was that? Because he was he was not famous. He was just he was this guy. So, what was it about him that made you say we're going to keep going down this road? Well, I had seen him in The Impossible mm-hmm. when he was young, and I thought this is an amazing actor. I knew that he was in Billy Elliot, and he had been training as a dancer from the time he was nine years old. Mm. So these are some of the things that I'm wanting to be aware of and looking, especially with a young person. Are they going to be able to handle the demands of a role like this, you know, uh, in terms of their craft, in terms of their maturity? Yeah. Um, That's important. Then you can just go charm, charisma, Ability to, you know, take direction, change on a dime. His physical skills. He literally did a backflip into one of his callbacks and landed and started the scene. So that can't be discounted. (laughs) (laughs) And then, yeah, Yeah. and then, and then beyond that, then I became convinced and, but there were other people in the mix. And then at that point, it's time. He didn't do seven auditions with me at that point. It's time. Okay. Now you need to meet the directors. You need to meet the producers. You need to meet some of the people you're going to be acting with. Then it goes out to a larger group. Yeah, because it's, again, to say to actors, to be in and of the work, so you need to be dancing, and not for this, but you need to be doing enough to, to build your entire, you know, craft and, and, and personhood, you know, so that when that moment comes and you do that tape and you're one in 2,000, that you will grab somebody's attention. It doesn't happen by accident. Nope. And it was consistency, too. You know, it's like we're not necessarily when this much is on the line. This is a big budget movie. This is a role that is going to go on and options and all that. It's not going to happen on the basis of one audition. You can't just knock it out of the park once and and that's it. You know, it really is. You're going to prove. Think about how much a director has to go through. Yeah. You know, to get a job meeting after meeting and showing visuals. And let me show you, you know, this previs and and this shot list and this like all of the thought that goes into it 
to know that this person can really handle what's coming their way. And that's the ridiculousness of pilot season, right? Like, I mean, the notion that you're going to put millions and millions of dollars on someone's shoulders based on maybe two, three, a couple tests and, uh, you know, a producer session. Or just session. one tape, one or just tape. one. Yeah. There's no time I mean, for amazing. anything else. It's yeah. like the lottery. It is. Well, it's a bit of a crapshoot, and then that's why so many of them don't work. Right, right. Yes. Maybe. Maybe. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Maybe. So what do you look for uh, when an actor walks in the room? What what are what are the things that make you go, wow, that's worth seven more things <laughs> or, or two more? Or, you know, what makes you circle that person's name on your sheet? I think that the first thing that I really will notice and feel, see and feel, is whether they're really present and alive. That's key. So not just that they're saying the lines well, but they ha- they're living and breathing the lines. They're living in the moments between the lines. They're not just waiting. They're not just staring at the, you know, at the reader. There's a whole life force and a life energy going on with that person in the room. And that has to do with preparation, but it also has to do with freedom, the freedom to just that an actor has to let themselves go and be present and be in the moment and have something spontaneous happens if it comes in or to add something or uh, to to just really um, be living it and not just kind of performing a scene. There's no doing it right. There's no way to get a scene right. Sorry, can you say that 10 more times? Yes. <laughs> just keep, we'll put that on a loop. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 only, the only way to do it right is to bring your whole self to whatever it is you're doing. And, and you know what's interesting yeah, is yeah. that, you know, you're doing these Marvel movies, and just if I think, you know, of the actors I know, those are opportunities that make people go. So I wonder what people are bringing in to your room more than others, uh, you know, the co-star on some network show versus, now this is the Marvel movie, you know? Yeah. Do you sense any of that, that actors are a little bit more jacked up because this is a big deal for them? This is going <laughs> to sound really terrible, but it's true that often people don't know exactly what part they're auditioning for <laughs> yeah. because names are changed right. and scripts aren't public. And frankly, the nerves don't help anybody. So I think it actually benefits the actors. We'll say it's it's an untitled feature. Um, and, <laughs> and often the sides aren't from the script. Right. Often there are scenes that we come up with that are very representative. But I think that knowing, being sensitive to the actors, yes, there's going to come a moment, they're going to screen test, they're going to know exactly what this is, and the cameras are going to be on and the director's going to be there. But but with us, we try to keep it pretty, of course people are going to get nervous, yeah. but keep it as relaxed as we can, Yeah, you know, so that people can do their best work and focus. But often, yeah, we'll see incredible work and the adrenaline's running, Right. And and all that's happening. Um, like exterior Wakanda day, that's going to change. That, you will never something. see that. Well, but to that end, like technical question, because I just yeah. had this conversation with an actor. So you're going to use dummy sides, you know, sometimes, right? Which I get. Yeah. Do you want them to play the, do you want them to play weird science? That scene, do, are, is this, should they know this is just a slice of me because they're trying to get a sense? Uh, like this is ultimately for Spider-Man, but I'm doing weird right. science just to get, so they do, do they do the weird science guy or they, they do what's their the, version of what's Spider-Man? What's the preparation yeah. for yeah. that? I, um, we'll try to find things that aren't well known. Yeah. So I'll go, I mean, I don't think I've used a Clifford Odette's plate recently, <laughs> but having come from theater, I'll go John Patrick Chanley or, you know, yeah. it's something, the language has to be relevant and appropriate, but we'll try to go to 
movies or plays that aren't too specific because we don't want someone channeling Emma Stone, right. for example. You know, we don't want that to happen if we yeah. can avoid it. Right. So the answer to the question is no. We want everyone to make it their own, to use their own instincts. Right. That makes sense. So if you're going to do a Shanley play or an Odette's yeah. thing, you're not going to be doing a performance or a tone of something yeah. that you've seen before. Yeah. This is a spoiler, but it's done. We used it uh, a while ago, but yeah. um, a beautiful scene from Ordinary People. Huh. Most actors don't know that. No. Yeah, they don't yeah, know that yeah, material. yeah. That's interesting. So people were really able to make it their own and just kind of come in and do some work. And that's letting go. That's a great way, though, to let go of... I have, I have to, to do the next Marvel movie, the next Spider-Man movie, the next whatever that is. Yeah. So, yeah. Because it really was about what's your inner truth? What's your inner life like? Yeah. Don't show me. Yeah. I want to get to know your emotional life in this scene. Yeah, that's great. Amen. That's great. Yeah. yeah. And, and so you guys listening, um, <laughs> you know that that's what we advocate for all the time, but you're hearing it now from a number of people who have been doing this for a while and are doing it at a very high level. So realizing that there are no audition tips and tricks other than, you know... Be, Keep it real. Yeah, yeah. And that's hard for people to imagine. And I also know that there are rooms people go into where they are told other things. You know, it says to cry here on this line, you have to play the tone of the show. And so they get really stuck in that and don't, and what we call artistic leadership, they give that up in, in, I'm going to play the breakdown. I'm going to play, you know, this moment here. I'm going to sculpt this a certain way because I've watched the show or the movie or the, you know, so I'm going to start performing at. Right. And I feel like I should say, I, I can only speak from my own experience of course. because it may be in situations that's exactly what they want you to do. And that's how you're going to get the part. If their producers are very literal and they want to see that scene exactly as written, maybe that's called for. I don't, I don't know. I, but I don't think that's ever what anybody really wants, ultimately. Yeah. They may think that's what they want in the world of their show, but ultimately they want to be moved, affected, engaged, right? Right. right. Yeah. So what are some of the things that directors who you have relationships with, whether it's any, anybody you've worked with more than once or even once who you've loved, what are some of the things they've said to you about what they're looking for that you resonate with, that you think actors would resonate with? You know, what ultimately what's at the core of what they want? Well, I think it sounds repetitive, but I think that people are looking for authenticity. They're looking for an inner dimension to the work. They're looking for energy. They're looking for passion. They're looking for thoughtfulness. Uh, but mostly for the spark that brings that character to life. Yeah. yeah. Do you still read in the rooms? Yeah. Yeah. You do? And, and when yeah. you're as the reader? <clears throat> oh no. I oh sorry. I don't yeah. usually read as the reader. Yeah. I stopped doing that um, actually. When I had young kids, I got, you can still hear this a little bit. I was reading all day no, yeah, yeah. and talking all day, and I had young kids, and I was exhausted, and I started wearing out my voice. Mm -hmm. And so as a result of that, the doctor said, you stop talking for eight hours a day because yeah. <laughs> I would be in session, then I'd be on the phone, and um, wow. I'd be reading books at yeah, night. And by the time I was books. reading the last story, I had no voice left. So, yeah. so I was told, you know, why don't you, because I loved reading. That was yeah, so yeah. fun for me. Yeah. But once I got behind the camera, 
I actually realized that I loved that too. And it was more efficient for me, frankly, because when I was reading with actors, um, not that I don't, but I found that I loved everybody, right? And yeah. look in your eyes and we're yeah, acting yeah, together. Yeah. And then I'd have to go back and watch all the tapes and say, <laughs> actually, this person wasn't as right and that person's more right. And but that's when such I'm, an interesting split, though. Like, so where do you such leave an yourself emotionally split. available yeah. to be moved? Right. When you're, because that also is your job, right? Like, yes. was I moved? But yes. at the same time, maybe you're doing the emotional heavy lifting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, and I also found I was much better about giving notes. Right. If when I'm just watching, scene, if totally. I'm not in the scene, yeah. I couldn't. Yeah, so I I'm be better able to I think help the actor right. by by not acting with them. By are being you watching able to the watch. monitor? Um, no, I run the camera. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. Usually I'm running the camera. Yeah. Hmm. What is it that actors do that like? What is your sort of pet peeve about what actors may do or not do? You know, when they come in the room or when they show up to callback or what what is what frustrates you it's not a pet peeve but I think one of the hardest struggles I watch Mm -hmm. is when actors get in their heads and when they get in their own ways and I and I I feel for them because I know that there's work they want to do but sometimes the nerves get the better or maybe it's preparation and um they're stopping their instincts you know so sometimes we have time to work with that, and sometimes we don't. That's just yeah. the the reality. Yeah. I wish I had time to stop and you know take a half hour and right. work out the kinks and yell and do jumping jacks and you know there's days when we can do that and mm-hmm. let an actor go through their process and get to where they need to go. Um, and there's other days where we don't have time to do it more than two or three times. So that's tricky. And then another thing that will probably sound shocking, but is a bit of a pet peeve, is when actors come in and they don't know their material. Because it's such a disadvantage because we have this opportunity to work together. And if the actor doesn't know their material, we can't work. We really can't. If you're looking at the page and you don't know your lines, you don't know the beats, you don't have the overall sense of the scene, there's not much we can do except read it. But there's a difference between that and just memorization. Totally. Right? So what is that for you? What's the difference between knowing your material and memorizing the lines? Yeah. Knowing the material is knowing, I think, the emotional beats and the um, truth of the character in the scene. If you want to refer to your lines, fine, do that. But there's times when people really come in and and actors get busy, pilot season, it's crazy. But I feel like that we don't have the opportunity to work if you really don't know (laughs) what's going on. What's going on, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Then we can read it. But when an actor's just reading it, I know that's maybe... 25% 25% of what they're capable of. Yeah. And that's all I got to show. Why do you think they, they, they're they not prepared? Maybe they think, well, I'm either, I'm either right for this or I'm not. Mm. Yeah. Or maybe they're busy or, yeah. or maybe they don't Fear, know that. Fear, who knows. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, where, so now where you are in your career and you've created this thing and you're and you're doing all this stuff and you have a staff and where what does it feel like now after so this you know long haul of working every day for you know over 10 years what is what is that uh what is that for you now what what does it feel like what's the next step or chapter or phase of this yeah well it's exciting for me to have this team I haven't had this big a team and it's exciting to kind of watch the people I work with grow and be able to give them these opportunities and they're all crushing it and they're great and they're passionate and they love actors. So that is a great feeling. That's like a a pulse, you know, that's like a beating heart for, for the office. And so that's been fun to get to watch 
watch everybody grow and stretch and learn. And, and so part of that is mentoring and teaching and how do we all grow together and letting go a little bit and mm-hmm. letting people have more freedom the way you, you know, let me go have my first sessions and do this stuff and trusting. And that's really exciting. And the other thing for me that's very exciting about this new phase is, is really being able to, like we were talking about, have more uh, diversity and really trying to penetrate into um, the acting community and reach out in a way that we haven't done before. I mean, we've done searches. All casting directors do searches. But, for example, right now we're looking for a a Pakistani Muslim female teenager. You know, that's, it's, again, a population that's underrepresented by agencies and managers. And uh, Are you looking all over the world? uh, Well, she's American. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, so probably with an American accent, although we are looking in other locations. Right. Um, but one of the things that I think we're seeing in casting is, and, and really it's happening with female directors, right? Like, are there female directors that are being hired to direct $100 million tent poles? Yes, they're out there, but there's a lot more now than there were 10 years ago because they have more experience because they've worked more on television. It's the same, I think, now we've seen it with trans actors in the LGBTQ community. Before Pose, before Transparent, these actors didn't have opportunities to be leads on TV shows. Now they've been working. There's a lot stronger skill set, you know, and higher level of craft going on. Uh, In some communities and actors that are differently abled, I think you're seeing actors have more opportunities to get leads. And it was a watershed moment, you know, in Oklahoma. I'm winning the Tony this year. Um, but I think that some, some, the problem with representation is people haven't known they can do this, right? I haven't yeah. seen someone who looks like me be the lead in a movie. So we're trying to change that. We are actively trying to blow open um, representation on screen so that everyone feels seen. So everyone feels like they can be a part of these movies. And so we're looking. We are we are knocking down doors in cultural centers and colleges and acting classes and dance classes and you know wherever we can look. That's great. Mm-hmm. And there are now young girls, young women who are looking at both of you um, who are in positions of power, strong, smart women who are uh, having their voice heard, voices heard. Um, And I wonder, perhaps at Paramount, or this is a question for both of you, what has that journey been for you um, as women in the industry, rising to the ranks that you've risen to, but along the way having to deal with likely being the only woman in the room uh, with some uh, spirited male directors, or however we want to put that. Um, Spirited male directors. (laughs) How's that? uh, Assholes, I guess is what I can say. But how's that that been for you, that process? I do feel pretty lucky. I've been pretty lucky to work with great people along the way, but it's true that I was often the only woman in the room for a lot of my career. Um, Risa was the only female director I worked with on a studio movie for uh, almost, I mean, I want to say almost 100 movies. It's crazy. Really? Crazy. Yeah, I guess There are true. very few female directors. Now, all of that has completely changed. I would say most of the directors I'm working with now are female. Really? And it's changed rapidly, that's, yeah, yeah, very, yeah. very quickly. Yeah. Um, so that's really exciting. It's exciting to have a lot of um, female voices around and female producers and female directors and female writers, cinematographers, ADs. Yeah, yeah it is yeah. different. Um, and hopefully we'll keep evolving that way. Uh, do you want to do anything else besides cast right now? 
You want to go back to acting? You want to <laughs> <No>. direct? No. <laughs> but really? I mean, I mean, I think as a casting director, you spend a lot of time directing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's always, you know, that's always a fun part of the job. But uh, right now, I think I have enough on my plate for the yeah. moment. Yeah. How yeah. do you care for yourself? What practice of self care do you have here to when when it all goes for shit? What what can you lean back on? My family. Yeah. You know, my family. How's that balance friends. for you? That work life balance. Um, challenging, uh, but it's so important. It's so, so important to carve that out. Yeah. And you've had to balance that. I mean, you've been doing this with, you know, pregnant, with small children, mm. with teenagers now, you know, so that's, how do you manage a day when you have to do that? And yes, lose your voice or not. But <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. How, how does that work? Cause that's, that's a lot. Yeah. It's a little exhausting because I think that in order, you have to make time for your kids. You just, you have to. And if I screwed that up, I would never, ever, yeah. <laughs> ever. That's the most important thing to yeah. me. Um, I want to be there for them. And, uh, and you can't always be there, but you can, like I, you know, I can't always pick them up from school, but we, um, we have dinner every night. And so in order to carve out that time for dinner and for homework and for spending time together, I think you end up staying up really late usually. You know, yeah. you stay up late. And and socially it's harder. I have amazing friends. Um, but I think for a lot of women who work in this industry, who work really hard, uh, it's harder. It's harder to have a social life. Sure. Yeah, because no, no, it's work to home, work to home. Work to home, home. work to yeah. home, yeah. 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 But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's worth it when you love what you do and when you care about it. And I do feel really proud of um, the work I've done and, and it's been really fulfilling and and it's exciting. You know, it's it's an exciting career to have. And I do think with casting, the good thing is also we're not, we're not on set on location. You know, you can have an office. You can be in L.A. I have friends that, you know, have done wardrobe and they're in, you know, they used to go to Louisiana for four months or something. That's really tough. Well, it's hard to parent that way. Yeah. For, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. What yeah. advice do you give the casting intern who shows up right at a college and has... Um, Stars may not be the right uh, word, but something in their eyes. They're looking at you going, wow, I want to do that. I would say work really hard. Learn as much as you can. Uh, learn about acting. Learn about directing. Learn about film production and television production so that you can understand when the production co coordinator calls you uh, and wardrobe doesn't have measure. You know, so you can understand, kind of like theater, so you can understand what everyone's going through. Right. Um, learn as much as you can about the process. Learn as much about actors as you can and see everything. See comedy shows and one-act festivals and go to Strindberg plays and watch foreign films and don't get locked into one genre, you know, just watch everything, absorb it all. Yes, and if you care about filmmaking or theater making or whatever it is that you're doing, really care about it, invest in it, then you'll start to know actors and that's really valuable. Yeah. yeah. And I found it was really valuable to understand um, people's training, you know, because I had gone to Yale and I was able to study, I it helps me direct actors if I know, oh, they're Meisner or they're, um, or they've, you know, they're actor studio. They've, they've studied in this way or in that way. They're very technical. And now that casting is a more global job, yeah. we can take actors from everywhere. You still want to make sure that your ensemble is cohesive, that it feels like one movie, not eight different movies. Mm -hmm. So you want to know that the actors you hire, whether they be from, you know, China or London or India or New Jersey, they're going to be able to mesh together in one story and have similar styles. And so I found that having studied different kinds of acting techniques really helps me to understand 
how actors work and whether that temperament might be a good fit with the director, with other actors. And again, like I think the great th- thing about this is like understanding the level of thoughtfulness, the level of care that you're bringing God, to the table. Yeah. Um, you know, studied dance since nine, like all that stuff is our flavors in the soup. Um, whereas I think an actor can look at you and just go, "Oh, it's a yes or no. Did I like the audition? Did I not? That's it." There's, there's a, uh, and, and again, this speaks to where you're at uh, um, in terms of what you've accomplished. That uh, I think that comes to a certain degree because you care so, so much. Uh, I mean, it's an incredible level of, of thoughtfulness. And, and I think, act like again, there is this misnomer because actors want this thing so badly, and the two of you, for instance, are at the gate, so says the actor, you know, and they're the gatekeepers deciding whether I, my dreams come true or whatever. And so it can become this antithetical relationship that I have to crack the code or, or get past it. But the notion that you're both warm human beings who are intelligent, who care about actors, who come from theater, you know, all that stuff I think should... Uh, create a responsibility in those actors that they need to step up and do that work too, because both of you are, you know. Yeah, well, what you want is for somebody to be able to show up fully, because I mean, what I see is you're showing up with that kind That's of right. care right. and passion and thoughtfulness and commitment to the work. So people need to meet you in that room and in that process with the same amount of care, thoughtfulness, commitment, and passion. And and sometimes actors don't understand that they think that they don't really get what goes into this and it's important to, to know that and, and to see how deeply you care and how committed you and your team are. And that's the equalizer, right? Like yeah. that's you showing up like a collaborator, not like there's some hierarchy that I'm trying, like, you know, please, Sarah, love me. It's, right. no, no, I'll show up, you show up, let's let's work. Right, because, because I, I can understand why we have the perception of being a gatekeeper. You're in charge of your work. If I'm, if I'm smart and I'm lucky, I'm going to see your talent, but your talent is out there. You are living in your talent every day. You are exhibiting that talent everywhere you go. So it's not me, it's everyone, you know, everyone should see your talent and it's not up to one person to say yes or no to you. If you're talented, that talent is going to rise. It's going to make itself known. So I would even argue, I'd think we're collaborating and if I'm lucky, I'm going to catch you at the right time for the right part. And if I see you and it's not the right part, then it's on me to remember you two years later when I have the perfect part or six months later or, you know, whenever, because otherwise somebody else is going to snap you up. You know, that's, that's what happens. It's not, um, I think that, that the actor can have agency. Like this is my craft. This is my work. I'm going to do it everywhere. And, and the right part's going to find me. Sure. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. I love that too. Yeah. Cool. Great. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Cool. Thanks guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. We are thrilled and moved by the response to the podcast. We love reaching actors all over the world, actors like you, who tell us that our podcast inspires them, informs them, and makes them excited and proud to be an actor. Yeah, but make no mistake, an acting career is won by being in the consistent practice of the work, week after week, month after month, year after year. Success for an actor is in the doing. So here at the BGB Studio, we offer the highest quality acting training for passionate, committed, talented, and ambitious actors. We see that kind of work transform talent into successful careers, and that makes us so happy. There is no substitute for doing the work consistently, and we offer the work of success. We are the home of your 10,000 hours. We offer ongoing and eight-week on-camera auditions, scene study, and workout classes. They're available now. So sign up now to secure your spot and get to work. Go to braymangarciabraun.com slash classes, or click the link for classes in the podcast show notes. We'll see you in class.
We love sharing this content with our community. We offer it 100% free, and it's our privilege to do so. If you're loving this podcast and are interested in offering something in return, go ahead and subscribe to The Acting Podcast. Then find us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you'd like to listen to your podcast and leave us an honest rating and review. Your words will help us bring this work to even more actors and artists around the world. Thank you so much for listening and for being here with us. We love how this community shows up for us and for each other online and in the studio. Come visit us online at thebgbstudio.com. Jump into a class with us. We're here to get you into the kind of shape necessary to be successful.